from you with open arms. Is that so? How late do you stay open? You don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been somebody. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, that she wouldn't even harm a fly. What's up, everybody? You're listening to NoCo Cinema here on WGM+. Plus. We are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I am Tom Hush. And I am Connor Cornelius. And we are so excited to be back with you for another week of Chicago Film Conversation. We're very lucky today. We've got a couple people in uh, both in-studio and on the phone. We're going cross-country on this one. Two fascinating people, two great creators who have a new... Uh, web series that uh, we got the chance to watch and um, I, we got the chance to see the whole thing. You're going to get the chance to see the first episode just to tantalize the taste buds. Uh, it's a web series called Hoops. So Hoops is a web series of cross-cultural short films contributed by 17 emerging Midwestern independent filmmakers. And uh, it's each each filmmaker, depending on which installment, uh, has developed a narrative around a single setting, which is a really cool thing to watch. It's a long short lines strips of road concrete playing fields and domestic environments and hoops really contains intimate narratives woven from a variety of perspectives and watching uh we got the chance to see all three episodes uh thus far and it's a very eclectic mix of ideas and visions and stories that uh as i mentioned all take place in like these these kind of places you wouldn't expect um you know sometimes on a basketball court sometimes you know just on a sidewalk or a road and it's really interesting to see narratives from this perspective and it really gives it just a fresh it really makes it fresh that way because it really does feel as though it's not something that we have seen necessarily before it's not it's not something that you typically see captured on on film so uh joining us right now uh from the some of the creative minds behind hoops we have kalechi aguancha and julius jefferson kalechi is all the way out in la and julius is here in the studio with us uh hello to both of you actually sorry San Diego. San Diego. Oh, San Diego. Well, Lovely. pardon me. Uh, I, I, you know, I honestly prefer San Diego. I've been to San Diego a couple times, and I think it's a pretty good place. Uh, LA is a little <laughs> bit much for me, uh, but <laughs> now, now you're just, you're just glad. Yeah, yeah. you're, you're, you're <laughs> more excited now good. about this. Fuck LA. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Kalechi, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to join us from the West Coast. Yeah, thank you for having me. And of course, Julius here in studio, uh, eighteen stories above beautiful Chicago. What's going on, man? Oh man, it's it's trippy. Like <laughs> I was just telling uh, Connor that like I'm not really used to being on in a building this tall with you know the right. view and everything. It's really trippy. Yeah, these are these. We've been in these studios for about a year now, and we used to be um, over at Tribune Tower, just literally right across the river. And mm-hmm. uh, we've moved from having the street view, like our main studio was in was like street level with all the glass so you could people watch as people are trying to do radio mm-hmm. and folks are just like putting their face up against the glass <laughs> with, trying to get their 15 you know yeah uh-huh. exactly uh despite but, the fact that no one can see them yeah. because this is a radio station <laughs> all right but they don't know that tom Shh. all right so hoops uh really fascinating web series i think there's a lot of creative force behind it a lot of very specifically midwestern and chicago force behind it mm-hmm. so um if you both want to take turns here clay why don't you start uh tell me a little bit about how hoops came to reality and how that vision uh came to you 
Uh, so Hoops like originally started with um, with my film. So my film was featured in the first episode, and the name of my film was Kilo, and it takes place on a court. And I figured that um, taking some like influences like from like David Hammond, um, an artist who like typically uses um, he uses like he decides to use the court as more than just a court. You know, it's just something that can like exasperate the black man more than what they're worth. So it's just like within those spaces, I feel like we can document different narratives, you know, like it's not, we can repurpose that space. And I figured, let me, let me try to see if other people want to collab with this in their own ways, because I think collaborating people's dope, but like forcing them to do your work could be a bit taxing sometimes. So I just collected a bunch of my friends, and I was like, "Yo, let's uh, let's make something that's cohesive." But I'm going to give you guys the free reins on doing what you guys want to do. The only thing you have to do is just use this one space, and that's it. So, Hoops is kind of an experiment that like worked out <laughs> in the end, and mm-hmm. it's kind of dope to see everyone just come together in their own styles. Like, I'm not forcing anyone to be any certain way they could do what they want to do and create their own work and like the only limit was the space and having it under 10 minutes and that was it did you have any problem like wrangling it in because there are 17 different filmmakers in this three episode series did you have any problems with you know like like struggling with vision or just getting the people together period it was rough because i mean hoops choose like created during my undergrad my last year and that was like a really really rough and long year mm-hmm. so having people like as well add this to their side projects it was it was difficult because in a way this was like i didn't want to make it a class assignment but like i had to enforce deadlines and i'd never done that before with artists so doing it with 17 artists that was even more hectic um but i realized like in the end a lot of the people who came on board for hoops like were truly like my really really good friends and the people that i admire the most and a lot of people dropped out of hoops um so it's kind of it's just like odd how it all happened um you know it's it happened for the best and i think yeah, a lot of the wasn't artists, it supposed to be only like five episodes at first or something it wasn't supposed oh to be. My God. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh there's supposed to be five episodes yeah um mm-hmm. first episode was like going to be court second was going to be streets third was going to be um just bodies of water mm-hmm. and then i think there were like a few other locations and like parking lots and people were just like dropping out left and right and i was just like i was losing it and then i realized like Three is the perfect number. Mm-hmm. And three it pointer. Out. What's up? Just like a three pointer. Come on. Yeah, yeah Steph Curry. Exactly. <laughs> three pointer, yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, really three sorry. is like truly the perfect number. Um, so I think yeah, everything just worked out in the end. And I think we combined kitchens and bodies of water and they're essentially like the same thing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. those are areas of self care, those areas where you take care of yourself. So mm-hmm. Just yeah, intertwining those like those themes worked out so so well. Um, and a lot of the a lot of the artists in that episode have like similar like just things going on and um, and themes that they should try to tackle. Second episode specifically, I know that when me and Julius were reviewing the second episode, it just all felt so familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, like I was personally amazed, like how all of it came together. Because I remember um, looking at all of the ideas, like listed. I wasn't sure, like how we we're gonna make like all of them connect, but 
thanks to like film magic it just did especially episode two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. it's yeah. crazy um i think jameson beamer and um and mitch mitchell to the artists each from mm-hmm. the second episode they when i was reviewing their scripts like off the get-go during pre-production they both had endings where all of the characters would end up at the beach and it was like just pure coincidence and they didn't end up doing that with the end of the episodes but again it's just their episodes just feature a lot of slice of life so again it's just very like interconnecting mm-hmm. um so yeah none of the artists knew what each other were creating like i actually purposely made sure that they didn't like weren't too involved in each other's work because again everyone's like their own standalone complex like you shouldn't have to be forced to collaborate with anyone you don't want to collaborate with unless you feel like a natural draw to that one person, yeah. you know? And, and there's something to have that com- like thematic cohesion too, because if you're trying to capture like the Midwest experience or the behavior of people from the Midwest, you know, you are going to end up eventually having overlap with the stories that you're trying to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yeah. And Julius, so or a second ago, you mentioned that it was a little difficult also to wrangle in those people, but you said mm-hmm. just through movie magic, it ended up working out well. Can you talk a little bit about that and your process with the, with the project as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause, um, I uh I I wasn't really there from the beginning, right, Kalechi? Because I'm my mind's kind of like um, fumbling right yeah, now. Yeah, when did you when did you come into Hoops, Julius? Yeah, like because I'm trying to remember because I'm I'm sure I watched Jameson's short first. Uh, I learned to swim one, and I remember like just being really motivated by that one into making me want to like join in. But no, I think you were I think you were there off the get go, like with that first was, meeting was I? that I went. Yeah, you were you were. Man. Um, the first meeting was like a big fail. Because it was just a mess of ideas. And I was yeah. just like, I had this one idea, but I didn't know how to interconnect it. And then eventually I just had smaller meetings with groups of people mm-hmm. who were interested in this one location. And I think that's where you came to, like, the basketball court. Mm-hmm. And, like, uh, that that kind of, like, leads to the question that uh, you just asked, Connor. Like, um, it was... I'm really glad Kalechi was, like, the one who was, like, pretty much, you know, the ringmaster of all of this. Because... Something that we always had to keep in consideration was that, like, pretty much almost all the artists who were working on hoops were, like, also undergrad students who mm-hmm. were, like, taking courses and classes. Yeah. yeah, and, like, even graduate students were on the project. And we all had, like, our own other projects that we were busy with where, like, I was very happy that there were, like, deadlines to help motivate us and give us, like, a sense of when we should be putting the time in and, like, complete the project itself. Like, um, I didn't really have too much involvement myself in, like, helping wrangle the artists and make sure that they keep on their stuff. Like there were a couple of projects that were supposed to be on hoops that I helped with directly. Like I helped, um, one, there was, remember that one script that, uh, Trevor wrote that was supposed to be on it, but didn't get produced. Oh yeah. 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 Like there was some stuff here and there that I was supposed to help with, but those ended up not working out. But Kalechi's very much the one who like did pretty much 100% of the wrangling. Like, I'm just glad to be like a part of it. I was one of the people being wrangled. Yeah, like, you were. Because, <laughs> like, even with my project, like, I spent way too much time on, like, even trying to, like, put it together. Like, because uh, I, the one I did was a UFO, and, like, the one that's in the episode was, like, I believe the sixth or seventh cut that I made mm-hmm. for it. But, yeah. But I was, so a lot of revision. A lot of revision. A lot of looking back at it, mm-hmm. a lot of checking it out. Yeah, that was, wasn't UFO was shot on VHS, right? Yeah, it was shot on an actual VHS camcorder. Oh, wow. my God. Yeah. Like, I showed it, I showed yeah. it to uh, my boss the other day, and, like, she thought I just 
did like a bunch of effects on Adobe Premiere. I was like, no, I nah. can't. I can't achieve that on there. <laughs> I went to the thr- I went to like a pawn shop, found a VHS like camcorder. It was like one of those camcorders you use to shoot a family barbecue. You know, yeah. like, oh, like shout, shot- out, shout out Katie Lance. <laughs> yeah, shout out Katie Lance. She Whoa. was one who gave me the camcorder, and I I was so happy that I got a chance to use it for that project because like I was. With that video, for example, I was trying so hard to like make it get give it like a surveillance feel. Mm-hmm. I feel like the VHS definitely helped in like providing that texture to it. Yeah, well, and it's one of those things where you know, obviously, with uh, Premiere or Final Cut, whatever you want to use as a, as an editor, there's so many things that you can do in terms of mm-hmm. like effects. You can just pile on to make something look like something. But shout out to JJ Abrams and the screen flare. Jeez, <laughs> don't even get me started. But I I love the idea of going. You know the best way to get the effect is to go back to that source and be like, if I want a VHS effect, if I want this to look like it was shot on VHS, I might as well just go get the VHS camcorder because then it's going to look legitimate. Mm -hmm. And it was such a hassle to try to get the footage off the tape. I can't even imagine. Oh my God. I forgot all about that. Like, yeah, digitizing. (laughs) I I ended up digitizing Julius's VHS stuff and I was working like a really shitty, all of the shitty jobs. Mm-hmm. I shouldn't say shitty because it was paid. <laughs> but it was uh, it was a job in Carbondale, and it was just digitizing people's like family videos and like wedding pictures. So super super mundane in the Midwest, Carbondale. Shout out to Carbondale. Shout out to the Dale. <laughs> yeah, uh, eventually like, I had like all the technology in front of me, and I'm just like, yo, let me just digitize julius's video yeah. at work because like originally so I, I spent pla- a good like two hours just waiting for it to digitize and, it- <laughs> and i very much appreciate you for doing that because like originally i the only other option i have for digitizing it it would have lost the audio oh and like i would have had to like spend hours trying to synchronize it yeah. without like the actual original audio and stuff where like kalechi saved me so much time in editing by like doing it herself the so, beauty like, the beauty of collaboration mm-hmm. the beauty, the beauty really of is. collaboration i want to yeah. <laughs> backtrack just a little bit here and get a little bit of uh info about uh both of you individually uh kalechi where are you originally from are you a Ch- chicagoan yeah i born in chicago raised in the suburbs but um, formative years in Carbondale. Yeah. So, so way, yeah, way down south. Way down south, which is a very, very odd place, but it's a very lovely, naturistic place. Like, the best way to describe Carbondale is that it's a blue dot in the Red Sea. It's very absurd how it works. Yeah, because yeah. you've got SIU down there, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, SIU's down there. Uh, Edwardsville, St. Louis is like two hours out from us. So it's oh, a very, yeah. like, mm-hmm. it's a very odd place to grow up as an artist. But yeah. it's definitely like unique from the typical artist experience did you grow up there as well julius uh, in carbido yeah i know i grew i was born and raised in chicago oh, okay. south side all over oh, my I was, life i was also born and raised in chicago i mean chicago area but the yeah. formative yeah. years yeah but like, uh, but like i met kalechi and carbidale because we both went to we were in the same film program at siu oh, okay yeah yeah like what, was formulated yeah what what's the what's the film program like down there because i'm always fascinated I, I mean me and connor connor and i did not go to film school um mm-hmm. but i always i wound up one time in my in my journalism classes you know you have to take intro to video production mm-hmm. and there was a track there was a class for journalists and there was a class for film majors and the one for journalists filled up and i was like well i gotta take this class so i took the film majors one and uh the the, the experience was interesting uh definitely a, a, a very interesting cast of characters so what was what was your guys experience down at siu 
You want to go first, Kalechi, or you want to go, my, or should I go on my spiel? <laughs> uh, you have a spiel. <laughs> we both had very interesting we've had, we've had very diverse experiences in film school yes. like me and you so like it's it's um why don't you start for, julius yeah for me film school was like it was nice because i got to meet fellow artists like kalechi and like future references who are maybe like want to help me on like future projects where like film school is just really great in the fact that it puts you right into the community of like film artists your age who are also like having growing imaginations and stuff where like you really don't have to like go too far to find collaborators like that's mm-hmm. why i appreciate film school for like number one but um when it came to like the curriculum and stuff and stuff like that it was not really what i was expecting and not really much that like i was looking for to like grow as a film artist but mm-hmm. i can't help but like appreciate it for like the opportunities that i brought for me at that moment because like I definitely didn't have any camera equipment, no yeah. video equipment, no like fancy technology to help like edit or do effects. And like film school provides that. Where like uh, when you're in a spot where you want to like get into this field and like make stuff and like use actual like um, real expensive equipment, film school is useful for that. Like it gives you the access to all that stuff. Yeah, it gets you trained up on it. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Where like you don't just have to like start with like pretty much nothing or making not, something from nothing like it, it gives you to something to help like help conceptualizing all of that for sure sound yeah. really grateful mm-hmm. for the experience yeah, I, oh, yeah. I, I, like i really I, 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 that's like the nicest i could really be about because like that's but, the nicest because, you could be though yeah We're because not like because like the overall experience like it's hit and miss but like i'm still very grateful because like the positives of the experience like it's stuff i could never really give i didn't go to film school because like yeah in high school all day i was like oh i don't go to film school pta dropped out quentin tarantino didn't go to film school you <laughs> yeah. know like i was like honestly ashamed for a couple of years for going because like all yeah. of my friends back here who didn't go they were like oh i'm just out here making it and yeah so like it gave me like those opportunities that like i always be appreciative for because Absolutely. like it helped me like feel like i don't think i would have been able to like provide the work that i brought to hoops if it wasn't for film school for sure and kalichi what was what was your take on it Oh, yeah. I mean, just piggybacking off of what Julius said, I think specifically, I mean, speaking to SIU, SIU is a very strange school to be an artist, (laughs) but it's also very strange in the sense where you get to create your own, like, boundaries and your own own limits because there's not a lot of rules. Um, And I think that's the really difficult thing being there because there's not a lot of rules. It's hard to, like, work outside of a system, mm-hmm. but within that system, you find people that you gravitate towards who also don't like to follow the rules, or who also like, fuck it, I don't want to do this. <laughs> um, so just like being an independent artist there was, it was easier than it should have been, but also it's, it's a very strange place to navigate because it's like, because um, again, uh, there's a lot of nature there and mm-hmm. existing within that nature and not having like a city to draw to besides like just, you know, the strip, which is like bars and things like that. It's, it's rough, but you find really, really interesting ways to like unearth these, like these things that no one knows. So just like, I guess conceptualizing things becomes more, it becomes more hard hitting and it becomes like, a game in some ways because you want to create something that no one's ever created or something that has like an influence from maybe a conversation you had at like a comedy house there. Um, Julius started this cool, really, really dope comedy house called Your Mom's House. (laughs) And I think that was like, 
that was the origins of a lot of really dope creators in Carbondale. Um, a lot of comedians, filmmakers, they would just gather there and we would just like all talk and then, you know, have the comedy to thrive off of. So Yeah, like there were like people who never thought about being funny ever just try comedy here because they could. Yeah. So, like, so what was your mom's house? Yeah. As as a comedy collective. <laughs> <laughs> well like um it's well it's pretty much like modeled after like the punk house DIY scenes because like Carbon mm-hmm. has a really like very expensive scene of that like going on there because like a lot of the times when like I didn't want to go to a party or a bar I would just go to like one of the punk shows because it's like five bucks to donate and you get to see like stuff you really wouldn't see anywhere else. <laughs> yeah like, sure. Like, every experience there is something else and like but your mom's house was, like, pretty much me trying to, like, piggyback off of that, but, like, bring it towards to, like, what I felt like was, like, kind of a void for stand-up comedians who want to, like, rise up. Because, like, not to get too much off track, but it's just, like, I noticed that, like, when you're starting to stand-up comedy, all you really got is, like, open mics and, like, bars or people who most likely aren't really there for the comedy. It's, like, mm-hmm. way down the list of what they're there to do or even hear. So, like, I want to, like pretty much create a welcoming space for like those guys who want to start up and like you know be able to practice and hone their craft or even like decide whether or not this something they want to do pretty much creating a sandbox for young millennial gen z comedians because i felt like in my experience of like doing open mics it wasn't really ever really helpful because like there wasn't really an audience to like really speak to and there wasn't an mm-hmm. audience that was invested that i could like ask for feedback from like when the only way to really improve i find like in performance is like actually have an audience there that's invested they can like be able to figure out where the vibes are from directly and your mom's house pretty much provided that for like the past two years in carbondale like there was no comedy space there that's such a dope thing about carbondale like me and julius created spaces and just collectives for things that we just didn't see in the Mm -hmm. town like i created this web series because i didn't see enough collaborative work Mm -hmm. and i didn't see people like also capitalizing or not really capitalizing but just like playing to things outside of film because i think hoops is also i mean it's a film series as much as it is a web series and i didn't see enough of people giving the attention to like you know the web um and when people do that it's typically like oh i'm just gonna put my film out there but it's like what happens if we see things existing in the same thread i kind of wanted to just like pose that question and tackle it with this collaboration so i mean Yes, little things like that. Carbon gives so much opportunity for experimentation. And you always have the support and the friends for that because, again, there's not much to do in the town. So it's like this is your fallback in a lot of ways. And yeah, speaking like, of a same thread, I'm I'm hearing a similar theme between the both of your stories. You guys are in Carbondale. You mentioned nature a few times, Kalashi, and I could imagine that in a place like this, where you are looking around and seeing that things that you want to exist that don't exist, I imagine in a place like that, it could probably become pretty easy to lose focus. So, was it difficult for you guys to to like find that focus through school and everything? Because it sounds like this thing is kind of it started in school, but it's. Be- kind of taken on a life of its own and become a bit of a passion project so i was, I was curious about about the struggle maybe to define yourself through focus i don't know was it a, did it always come naturally to you too or was it you know i mean was it just something that you felt like you needed to do for yourselves because it wasn't there already um i think it was a little bit of both um it was like a really big urge to um showcase just the talent that comes out of Carbondale because it doesn't get the rep that it deserves. Um, it doesn't really get, you know, the golden rep that it deserves in comparison to, like, 
a bunch of these art schools in in Chicago or um, on the West or East Coast just because it's in the South and, you know, people underestimate it for what can come out of that. But I really wanted to, it was just a natural process of things coming together, not really like an urge to like up my work. It was more just like, hey, let me show off what my friends made. Like, let me show off their talent. Because a lot of my friends, a lot of the people in Hoops, they don't typically share their stuff um, online. And I think having the web series be the platform to be the first place that they majorly show the work, I want it to be something of that level. Um, Because there's so much talent in Hoops. um, And a lot of these people just, like, like, they shy away from showing the work, and a lot of them don't, on the other hand. And I think that having it exist as one thing can just like acclimate it so, so much because again, it's just all a thread and there's so many, so many things you can just look at. I mean, the best way to describe hoops, I think I like made a, I made a post recently about um, when I first released the first episode, but it's like flipping channels. Like you don't know what you're going to expect. And that's the really dope thing about all these artists. They exist in their own like spaces but again, we're interconnected through like the themes um, presented in each episode, which can be like um, just themes of loss and themes of like um, togetherness and just like the mundane. Um, so it's really dope to just almost try to figure out what connects these episodes besides the, the location. And I mean, I'm excited for people to look into like the part two and part threes because there's just so much more goodness. And it's interesting to hear that the artists were apprehensive at first, but were, I guess even if they were apprehensive, there's strength in numbers with that, right? I think it's more, there's like a really weird apprehension about sharing your work online because sometimes you just never feel it's good enough. I mean, I personally, that's I'm speaking for me, but I've also like had conversations with other artists where it's just like, I don't know if the world's ready to see my work. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, why not? I think if you have, if you have numbers, it'll even bring more power to your work. And that's what Hoops does. Mm-hmm. It just unites every, all these artists. Yeah, there's a, there's a strong sense of community in Hoops um, and a strong sense of um, this being a platform for people to... As you as you mentioned, get out there and share on the internet, which is, I mean, in in any time in the age of the internet, it's really terrifying to have to put something out there on the internet because it's littered with just total dickheads and, like, and a lot of and a lot of garbage too. Yeah, a lot of people just have to wade through. Well, and, uh-huh. and especially we're talking about this in 2019, a time that is really littered with uh, hatred on every level, and I feel like hoops is a is this, is that artistic collaboration that asks uh, asks for the opposite and asks for a lot of self expression and a lot of self love mm-hmm. and without um, cynicism? Yeah, without cynicism. I never at any point watching these th- watching these three points felt like uh, it had a cynical view of what the world was like. It tackled it. Ta- you know, the different shorts tackled different things and different narratives. But at the end of it, I always felt really good in a sense, knowing that I was at least watching people put themselves out there. And um, I. I I really like the idea of the channel you put it as channel flipping in a sense. And I think that works really well with uh, your upcoming collaboration with cinema obscura. One of our favorite, favorite, favorite um, screening series in the entire city. Uh, You're going to be able to see the first episode of hoops, on August 21st at 2646 North Milwaukee, better known as Lo- the Logan Theater. The Logan Theater. Yeah. The yeah. Logan Theater. In the lounge. <laughs> Stop on by. Yeah. And Kalei, are you coming? 
Got your plane ticket yet? I, I don't know. If I, could find a, if I could find a cheap plane ticket, I'll definitely be there. I'll go with you at Uber, no worries. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> so I, I wanted to know, how did how did you all hook up with uh, John Davies over at Cinema Obscura? How did this come together? So I so I know Nick Alonso, and I've been like, following his work for quite a few years and um, Julius introduced me to him like indirectly yeah, like so we, went, like, we went to high school together me and Nick oh you went oh you, really awesome. well like uh, when he was at Curie for I think it was like just a year like we've met there and like he was honestly the first film head I met who I felt like was just like me trying to like go out and make stuff watch as many things as possible so like mm-hmm. from that he in a way met well pretty much like Khalid said he and I indirectly introduced him to her but yeah yeah and i mean i think he had a few screenings of like his first um couple films through cinema obscura and i was Mm -hmm. just like oh what is this and i figured i'd reach out and just have hoops you know interconnect with them in some ways but yeah it's screening logan theater august 21st 7 p.m that's when the things start i'm not sure when hoops is going to be in that but there's going to be tons of films comedy live music within that showcase it's going to be a real good night real good night of stuff yeah yeah i think it's a perfect collaboration i think hoops Mm -hmm. is exactly the sort of thing that cinema obscura wants to show to the people wants people to come out and see and make an event out of it Mm -hmm. uh we've definitely noticed as as we've spent more time as part of uh or at least you know adjacent adjacent to the film community we always feel kind of in this weird spot because we're like we don't really make movies that's not really our bag uh we just love people who make movies and love talking to them and uh listening to their their worldview and their stories and what they're all about but we've seen that there's an incredible increase in making uh this stuff an event you know like let's get out there let's show up let's be there for everybody mm-hmm. and i think uh hoops is exactly the type of uh artwork Absolutely. really the type of art that people should be getting out to see although obviously this is a web series um right. i want to know what is do you guys have any plans uh I, I, the first the first episode came out on august 1st correct yep yeah august 1st and so what's what's the is there a digital plan uh for what you want to do with hoops in terms of you know this is this is the the fact of the the film world now you have to have some sort of digital marketing plan or have like some have sort that of, presence yeah the digital strategy of how am i going to release this how are people going to find this so what was what was your plan going into it, or are you still figuring it out oh it's, it's kind of figured out um so the website's still in the works but um with the next release um which is august 15th for episode two that's going to get released on youtube and vimeo so people have two options to watch and there's no reason you shouldn't watch because you got two options mm-hmm. um but third episode is getting released august 29th and and then from there we're just going to try to host as many screens as we can um across america and also just put it at the festivals so we just want to get as many eyes mm-hmm. on this project as possible just yep. so people can see you know what hoops is that's fantastic i think that's great um so i I, i'm always interested when talking to uh obviously two well-trained filmmakers just as yourselves Uh, i wanted to get a sense of where your uh filmmaking inspiration lies and what some of your influences are uh kaleji what what filmmakers do you really enjoy right now or uh what are some filmmakers that you've really felt inspired you or influenced you oh that's that's a good question um I would say I've been I've been really into like 
um, Andrea Arnold recently, I mean, not even recently, but just um, for the past few years, Andrea Arnold, um, Debril Mabanchetti, who's a Senegalese filmmaker. Um, uh, let's see, Claire Denis, of course, um, the Safdie brothers, uh, Ira Marai, um, hmm. uh, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of, like, Guerrilla style filmmakers. Um, mm-hmm. I really, I really appreciate the rawness of guerrilla filmmaking. Um, and I've recently, I've been trying. I told Julius, I've been trying to like binge exclusively West African films, and I just can't do it. It's so hard to <laughs> yeah, just reserve Kaliji, I'm gonna need a, a I'm gonna need to get a list from you of yeah, recommendations because I really don't I don't I think I recognize the Safety Brothers because they made a few movies they made Good Time right yeah amazing movie which yeah. is great um but I'm, I might need to get a list from you after the after the show or if you want to just rattle off a few recommendations just yeah. for stuff to get us started with these people because I oh, just I really I, I couldn't recognize I could I don't know if I recognize <laughs> no, any man, of them you're not gonna like me then <laughs> no, no 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 I can't wait I need I need these lists well, I need and, to know and I think. Uh, uh, I think we'll get those lists because we'll share. We'll definitely share those with the listeners. I think that's good. That's, that's that's our digital that's strategy. It. Instagram post. Uh, don't be an idiot. Watch these movies that Kalechi tells you to watch. Yeah. Like, it's uh, Kalechi's watch list. Kalechi's watch list. Julius, what about yeah. yourself? Well, like uh, for me in general, like I'm mostly influenced by a lot of like '70s filmmaking. Like, but more to low key guys like Ivan Dixon, who's made this. Um, Really, really hard to find movie called The Spook Who Sat by the Door, which is just about like yeah. this. Um, shot to Chicago. Yeah. Oh, it was shot and produced in Chicago. It's about this uh, black man. He inf- he joins the CIA and uh, pretty much learns all of their knowledge, all of their intellect, all their stuff, and then he goes ahead and starts his own like CIA, pretty much a army of like black revolutionaries who start fighting back against their oppression pretty much like creating a war in, in a way in chicago and like it's a crazy satire action film that like is difficult to find out because like it was released in theaters back when uh, it was made in the 70s but it was cut out of the theaters like after one week as all the film reels were actually confiscated by the cia themselves right yeah. and, like it's crazy Too revisionist yeah yeah <laughs> it's crazy transgressive art like that by directors like ivan dixon who's only made like three films sadly um, who yeah, and would really you, would you argue me. that it's probably like one of the best films during the black exploitation period? I would say it's probably the masterpiece of the black exploitation yeah. period. Like, because I, yeah. I love that era altogether. Because like, it's just that was pretty much the era before like the era we're in right now, where like black I artists were pretty much allowed to yeah. run wild creatively mm-hmm. with budgets and everything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where like I feel like that film is like definitely something to like look at if you want to like get familiar with like what's been influencing me and like. And it's stuff like that that goes into, like, more of my modern influences. Like, uh, Safety Brothers are definitely some guys who I've been, like, pretty much telling a lot of my cues from, like, honestly, a lot of shots in UFO. Yeah. I pretty much kind of, like, ripped from good time in a little, in a little way. And um, Andre Arnold's definitely one. I'm a huge fan of John Cassavetes. Like, he yeah. is, like, pretty much he, he's my Bible on how to make a movie. Like, I love what he does with characters because I love nothing more than character-driven films and the characters in his movies, is their lives exist beyond the, the fucking like film. Like yeah. that's a beautiful thing about his works. I don't think I've ever seen a movie like Shadows before. Oh like, my god! I watched that and I was just like, holy! I, I couldn't believe what was that fifty nine or something? Mm-hmm. Maybe? He did that fifty nine. 
Like, Jesus Christ. The dude was so ahead of his time. And, like, his stuff is, like, something that I very much try to aim to, like, get a similar effect with my work. Where, like, I always hope to, like, try to merge the character-driven work of guys like Ivan Dixon, John Cassavetes, and, like, yeah. Richard Ligler and Spike Lee with, like, genres in a way. Which I try to do with UFO. Like, I wanted to make something kind of like Safdie and Ivan Dixon while throwing, like, some sci-fi and comedy onto it. Yeah. Because I feel like not characters like this never really get to, like, run to stuff like aliens or monsters, <laughs> you know? Yeah, and well, and I always I always feel that, um, you know, all great filmmakers are thieves in, in their own way. You can mm-hmm. go back, even the people that not you that think... Not that we're calling you thieves. No, no, I mean, no, I, and I mean that in the, in the most uh, positive way possible. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Honor among thieves, for sure, because really... You can go back to uh, any sort of any sort of filmmaker that you see as like being like really original is still cribbing from something. They have to. There's some sort of like visual language that they're cribbing from, and mm-hmm. it's it's. It, I think it's really respectful, though. I yeah. think what that's the greatest honor you can give in a in a film is to be like, hey, this is my version of a Safety Brothers shot, but I'm going to mm-hmm. do it my way. This is Safety Brothers filtered through the world of Julius Jefferson. Well, what was it that much. Isaac Newton said? Uh, if I if I am perceived to see far, it's only because i stand on the shoulders of giants it's that kind of sentiment yeah right? mm-hmm. where it's very much like definitely like filmmaking to a sense is always communication like something that i love uh that went on like in the 90s and late 80s was that brian de palma and martin scorsese like in the films they released in that period all had these like ambitious long takes and like and then i found out like behind the scenes like they were doing those long takes to compete with each other yeah. being like oh you did that long taking good fellas well look at what i did at snake eyes you did that at snake eyes look at what i did in a casino like yeah. it's really fun seeing like <laughs> just your snake eyes <laughs> uh-huh. like it's it's just fun to see like how filmmakers like take each other's work to an extent and then make it their own yeah. creating like a whole yeah, new like uh, work of art because like i'm even like very influenced by just kalachi like the stuff that she does is still like I, I feel very lucky to be able to like know an artist like her. To be honest, you talk about community, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it it does help you push your art further. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like artists like Kalachi and Ellis, who I am uh, grouped grouped in with in the first episode, like they they inspire me to know and like with the stuff that they do. I I really appreciate that sentiment. It's yeah. not a competition. It's a collaboration, even mm-hmm. if you're not working together. I think that's wonderful. Yeah, and Kalechi, you're you're doing uh, an incredible thing here with Hoops. I re- I really did when when you reached out to us. I was really excited by the concept, and then when I got the chance to watch it, um, I was really thrilled. And because I think mostly because we're living in a cinema landscape that's in a, a very interesting place where we're inundated with super franchises and mergers and 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 uh, an immense amount of corporate influence, mm-hmm. and it's really nice to know that we've got folks like yourself and Julius and all the amazing artists involved with Hoops going out there and saying like, hey, we can do our own thing and it can be great and it can be representative of who we are and we can put it out there for folks. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, from from no coast to uh, to San Diego, uh, we we thank you incredibly, and obviously thank you, Julius, for UFO. Um, it's it's a great, it's an amazing short. It's a, it's a really really fun it's short like to watch. Probably one of the craziest things in hoops, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the well, responses ba- I've been getting for that short is just always fun. It's, yeah. It's, it's well, based fun. on what you just told me in terms of influence, uh, Julius, I, I'm not surprised. I'm just like, this is great. You're ta- you're telling me about this basically. Lost 
lost movie about a guy who joins the cia and takes all the knowledge and uses it to rise up against the people who oppress him that's incredible and i'm i gotta find it now i gotta like go like, to some collectors yeah. have you, you found you, it like it's on there's, How a, did you there's find a really it? bad copy on youtube that like it's watchable but like the sound is ass to screen calls his ass but like <laughs> is that how watchable. you watched it uh no like i thankfully had this uh wonderful professor named dr Navani lawrence at uh, siu shout out to Navani lawrence and um he had this great class like uh showcasing and talking about the history of black exploitation in the 70s mm-hmm. and that was one of the films that he screened in, in the class and like he had yeah. probably like the best print that i've known to exist like yeah. it's like this uh one dvd copy and like it's it's really something to watch, especially with an audience, because we watched it in lecture, and like the the conversations we had about that film were fun. I can only imagine. Yeah, we're like the that's like everyone's talking about Criterion needs to release this, they need to release that. I want Criterion. If they're listening, I want you guys to find a spook who sat by the door. Criterion, you yeah. gotta you gotta release this, mm-hmm. dude. I'll, I'll tell you what though, I was recently this this the this past weekend I was at the uh, Chicago Flashback Horror Weekend because mm-hmm. I'm a big horror fan and and uh, genre stuff. And he says uh, wearing a t a t shirt, yeah. which is a stack uh, I, I, of Carpenter VHSs. I, I mean to say like that shirt is fire because Carpenter is <laughs> one of my favorite filmmakers. Carpenter's the man. Yeah. I, I love Carpenter. <laughs> Carpenter's uh, great. He's one of those. He's one of those dudes who's also just a massive thief like he's made rio bravo like four times oh yeah like the stuff he does with genre while bringing those influences into it's just always amazing to me like they live the f- way how oh, they live yeah. functions there's like time for a 15 minute fight scene yeah with there. with the god among men that is keith david i worship keith david that uh, guy's keith a badass. The best. but um there's there was i noticed there were a lot of um boutique like boutique blu-ray is really blown up uh, mm-hmm. as a thing and there's a lot of smaller houses that are focusing on kind of uh saving lost films like mm-hmm. i found a guy who's just like has a pristine like they did a pristine restoration of bill paxton's first movie which is this weird like hippie exploitation where he gets mm-hmm. dragged to a mountain of 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 women you and they like try to kill him you don't <laughs> shut up on this movie <laughs> he was just talking to me about this I, on the bus when i'm, we I'm not kidding this morning <laughs> I, my single greatest regret of the last two weeks is that i did not buy that immediately <laughs> but they also like saved this lost art film and it's john liguizamo's first role and what? he's like a gay vampire trolling the streets of new york and he's Wait, like I a leather daddy yeah it's called night owl and he's like a leather daddy and it's so cool i love this yeah. I know. So I, I really hope that um you know these these lost films can be found especially oh, yeah. especially for the black exploitation movement because mm-hmm. that's something I've really yeah. been I really wish uh maybe we could have you guys back on to talk about it because I've been trying to desperately educate myself on this specific period of cinema and how transformative it was for a lot of people. Oh, definitely. I mean, oh, yeah, like, me and Julia yeah. spoke to the class, so like, mm-hmm. we are kind of like, you know, we we have a big end on what's black exploitation, even. Yes, um, and we're like, like I, my favorite film from the period was like Ganja and Hess, which is, I think, like one of the best oh, yeah. vampire movies ever. Bill Gunn um, is like. Uh, one hell of a filmmaker like they just actually discovered one of his uh lost movies just last year is this uh four hour long like soap opera drama called personal problems it is incredible it's been missing for like 40 years and i'm just so happy that it that is now available out. now like you can watch it on canopy and every day oh my god mm-hmm. canopy is a great that's that's like through libraries right you got a library card oh, yeah. that's like, that's like it, a, it is it has that's, almost, a, that's, oh. a, that's a very popular opinion but canopy is better than netflix <laughs> that's hot takes from uh, from Kalechi all the way out in san diego um 
<laughs> Thank you. Don't t- talk about Anchorman right now. <laughs> Come on. Come on. We, I guess we got the in that they're making a third one. I, apparently, they're making a okay. third Anchorman. Was, but, he, was he going on like the late night shows? That's yeah. That's, a, that's exactly what I, mean, I was telling him last night. I was like, hey, everybody's bitching because Will Ferrell's doing Ron Burgundy again. It's, it's so sad to well, see because I was a big Will Ferrell fan. Right? It just looks like he's just looking for the classics now. I'm like, come on, man. Listen, all I, well, all he I is doing stand-up for it. I mean, I don't know. I appreciate it a little bit. All I, I don't care, think it's that great, but... All I, I care about is that it. HBO made a great decision and brought back uh robin Thede for uh a very black girl oh, yeah. ske- or it's it's a it's, it's some it's, it's like a, a black girl uh, black, sketch black lady sketch show. Black lady sketch i saw show. the first episode oh, it is incredible God, yeah. have you seen it Kalechi? i haven't but i heard it's oh. like short isn't like short films just put together right pretty much yeah it's just a sketch show it's incredible. like all black See, lady so writing dope, stuff all black lady cast Mm-hmm. Yeah, the AV Club has a great write-up on it, Yeah, uh, which I read a bit ago. Uh, her previous show was on BET. I can't remember what it was called, but I remember watching it, and I was like, oh, wow, this is really good, and then mm-hmm. it got canceled. And yeah, I was like, She was Why? my favorite part of the nightly show when that was on. Yeah. yeah. Oh, nightly show. That RIP. Another show that was not given room to, to grow and oh, yeah, not all that kind of stuff. Comedy Central is just the place for that. No offense to Comedy Central. Just yeah. Stop <laughs> canceling shows. You're listening. Just, <laughs> well, now, now we have Southside. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a really, really yeah, I've awesome been seeing show. a lot of ads for that on the red line, which I'm happy to see, like just like the actual sitcom about, you know, here. And it's it's really funny, and um, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I, the reception seems to be really positive, so at the very least, you've got people that are just like, hey, by the way, there's a there's this part of Chicago, it's really huge, it's called the South Side, and we're gonna do a show about it, we're gonna do comedy about it mm-hmm. that's not focused on, like, this bullshit narrative that gets which pushed. Which is so great to hear, because, like, I grew up on the South Side my whole life, and when people think chicago they think this part but yeah i never see my part of chicago ever represented Absolutely. so it's like we're happy to know sick how my day yeah it's is. always like dwayne johnson destroying michigan <laughs> avenue with exactly. a giant like with a giant <laughs> what was that rampage, rampage. Right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right um thank you both so much yeah uh this has been really fun and really enlightening uh thank you so much for bringing hoops to us uh i just want to re-mention again uh when you can see the first episode it's my mom's uh, birthday yeah <laughs> <laughs> take take hey. your mom. August twenty first. I mean, all of all the people in hoops actually like are Kansas and Leos, so I think it's like <laughs> I never do that. What a <laughs> yeah. I never do that. What a vibe. <laughs> what a vibe. Julie's birthday is like July. My birthday is August fourth. Um, so Happy belated. August second. Thank you. Yeah. So we're just all like actually like connected in like ways we don't even see it it's cosmic it's very cosmic uh august yeah. 21st 2646 north milwaukee the logan theater one yeah. of the lounge yeah in the lounge uh be there. yeah be there or be square as uh the kids say now I'll, I'll be there so if you don't like it, you can yell at me yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, that that'll be great you could get mm-hmm. you get uh get an autograph from julius jefferson <laughs> he can tell you he can get you the learned up <laughs> the wow. one and only Julius Jefferson, Kalechi mm-hmm. uh, and Julius. Thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it. And I, I'm not kidding. Next time you guys come back on, we're doing black exploitation. I want. I'm excited. I, I, I need to this. get schooled. <laughs> I deserve to get schooled in this because I'm very fascinated. I, I always want to learn more from people that are truly knowledgeable about this, about cinema. Because I'm I'm a neophyte, and we love watching them. I mean, yeah. obviously. So we're we're here to have you guys on soon. Want to yeah. give a preview of a hot take I have regarding Black Citation? Yes, yeah. this Let's is do it. a trailer. All right, Shaft. It revolutionized all of the '70s filmmaking. <laughs> Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon. 
Shaft. Period. Shaft came before. There we go. Period. Yes. That's a preview. There yeah, there it is. Uh, at me. <laughs> Dude, we should cut together like a little trailer. So like a little trailer. I think, like, yeah, sorry. no, we're going to run that on air because we can do that. You know, like, you do know I work for this radio station. Like, I can run a promo if I want to. Tom, so, don't fucking. The put, producers put, put are the looking in. On it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been No Co Cinema here on WGM Plus. Uh, we are your guide to cinema here in the city of Chicago. I'm Tom Hush. And I'm Connor Cornelius. And we will see you all next time.